Hey everybody, welcome to the Cop House Podcast. I'm Doug and I'm the son. And I'm Ron, I'm the dad. This is a bi-weekly podcast that covers all things policing. We're a father and son combo with over 33 combined years of police experience. Our show will tackle anything and everything you could possibly think of regarding the great policing profession. Nothing's off limits. Welcome to episode seven of the Cop House Podcast. We are two generations one great calling, and I think I just lost even more of my hearing, Doug. Yeah, we had a little technical issue where our intro music almost uh, took out both of our eardrums. Yeah, Doug, I, ordinarily you're spot on with the technology piece of it, but I well, you know, I think my ears are bleeding after listening to <laughs> well, in, the, in our headphones. To be fair, you did delete my, my template with all the levels I, fixed and everything. No, I'm sorry. So I'm, I'm, had to, I'm to restart it. Yes, I'm, I'm that way. I needed the space on the laptop. Well, that is a perfect way to describe how this show is going to be because we don't really have much prepared as we were talking about before you hit the record button or the whatever button you hit it's the uh, record button to start the recording thank you this will either (laughs) this will either be our greatest show or our biggest disaster Uh, nothing in between it'll be one or the other yeah uh i am in the process of moving and getting a new house done and you have some stuff going on as well so the preparation kind of went by the wayside this week so we're just gonna shoot the breeze see what happens yeah there's not much in the stack today there is i don't think there's a stack i see no. you got like two I, things written down I have there a, i have a yellow pad with two items listed on it okay yeah i can't even read it from here i don't know what those are yeah i wrote in cursive so yeah so you couldn't read it <laughs> so i story how your, time how was your week i uh, really are we gonna do this how was my week yes i'm sure our faithful audience wants to hear about an old retired cop's week i was a crossing guard this morning i (laughs) taught sunday school yesterday i mean what do you want to know so story i got got a pretty good story from work this week great story time just to start off i i think this i i'm feeling like this episode is going to be story time so for our audience if you want to Go get your PJs on, get a nice hot cup of cocoa, mm-hmm. and nestle in. Nestle? We don't use that word enough, do we? Nestle. No. Get cozy uh, because it's story time. And Doug, I think you have a story that you're just bursting at the seams to tell us. Well, don't overhype it. It's kind of it's kind of interesting, kind of cool. But all right, go. Anyways, <laughs> uh, we got a we got a call this week um, from the U of M Crisis Center. Just to remind our audience, Doug the Son is a sheriff's deputy for a semi-rural sheriff's office yep. in Southeast Michigan. Yep. Okay. So we got a call from the U of M Crisis Center. Uh, the call taker there had gotten a call from a young lady, like a teenager in California, who was concerned about an online friend. Mm-hmm. I guess they had a they had like a group on some social media site where they all kind of made friends over the internet or whatever. And uh, one of the members of the group, a kid who I guess was like 12, um, had made a bunch of suicidal statements in this group. And huge credit to this kid in California, this teenager in California was like, I, that sounds bad. I, I think this kid is going to hurt, hurt themselves. I need to try to call somebody. And what she landed on was, for whatever reason, the U of M Crisis Center. Because pretty much all she knew was the kid lived in Michigan. Okay. So, um and she thought that it was an address that's in my county. 
So we get a call to this address from the U of M call center. I didn't even know the address. I didn't know where it was. It's a street I'd never been to. So me and my buddy, Jimmy, we're going there. And I'm like, okay, you you lead the way. You pull it up on your, your phone, GPS or whatever. I'm going to make some calls, try to get some information about this. Mm-hmm. So I'm following Jimmy. He's got it in his GPS. I called the U of M crisis center lady. And she told me, you know, what I just told you, young lady in California worried about suicidal statements made by this other kid in this online group. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, can I have the caller's information so I can get in touch with her directly? She's mm. like, well, she wanted to be anonymous. Mm. Okay. Can you call her and tell her I can keep her anonymous, but can you give me her information so I can talk to her? You wanted additional information before you guys just showed up yeah. at, at the residence yeah. for your safety, for her safety, for... Yeah. And, and because it was kind of vague information, I'm like, we might need more information to find this kid. Okay. So, uh, crisis center lady calls her back. She gives the, okay. Like, yeah, I still want to be anonymous to the person, but yeah, you can give the police my information. So I, so I call her Okay, and I talk in California. Yeah. You I called her. Yeah. yeah. I call this kid in California. She picks up very upset, very worried about her friend. And, um, so I, I get kind of more of the story. She sends me, you know, the screenshots of these messages that to me, would be cause for concern. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it was very, it was basically a goodbye message mm-hmm. uh, like of someone who was of suicidal ideation. Mm-hmm. So we get there, the address doesn't exist. The, I, we, we knock at the closest possible address mm-hmm. and the lady there is like, I have no idea who you're talking about. Right. Scared the pants off this old lady too. Mm-hmm. I feel bad. It was like two, three in the morning. I'm banging on her door. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. like, do you know so-and-so? No, I've never heard of this person. Hmm. She was like in tears. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I did not mean to scare you. We're, right. we're trying to find this kid. We're worried about her. She's mm-hmm. like, well, I hope you find her. So so no luck there. I get back in touch with this kid in California. I guess there's a, she did some digging while we were at the address and she talked to another friend in that group who I guess had sent a package to this kid. Mm-hmm. So actually had the exact address. Okay. The exact address was not in our county. Mm. The exact address was in a county on the other side of the state. Oh, okay. So... And the reason for the miscommunication was the name of the town that she lived in mm-hmm. was the name of the street in our county that we got sent to. Gotcha. That was where the miscommunication came from. So I call that county mm-hmm. where it is and I give them, I give their dispatcher all the information that I have. Um, and I give them my cell phone number too. I was like, Hey, whatever deputies go out there, have them give me a call or shoot me a text. I can fill them in, answer any questions yeah. and I can send them the screenshots that I have too. Um, and then at that point, I'd kind of had a rapport with the kid mm-hmm. in California, too. So I was like, if you want to let me know, too, I can kind of talk to her for you. Um, so they say, OK, we'll send somebody out there and hang up the phone. Mm-hmm. So we I put in some notes in our call screen. I clear the call. Yep. Fast forward probably about an hour or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm sitting, me and Jimmy are sitting in a parking lot parked you know window to window like cops do that's how cops park you've probably seen them yep. in the median of your local interstate yep car to car we're, door to door we're hiding out in the parking lot parked door to door just sitting there passing the time well this this deputy from this other county on the other side of the state calls me back mm. and he goes you're not going to believe this i had him on speaker so jimmy could hear too mm-hmm. and um he goes we go to the house and we go inside Mom and dad were dead asleep, had no idea. Mm. The kid was standing on a chair with a rope around her neck about to jump. Oh, my goodness. So they cut her down. They got her help. They got her They got her <sighs> sent to the hospital and stuff. And he told he told me that me and Jimmy's jaws both hit the floor. Wow. We were like, no kidding. How is that for timing? 
Oh my goodness. That was wild. Did the officers knock? Did they just go in? I didn't even really get that much clarifying information. He just said, you know, because it sounds like they were still dealing with it. I think he was on his way to the hospital Mm -hmm. following, you know, like an ambulance or something. Right. And uh, yeah, the parents had no idea. Oh my Um, gosh. So, I mean, they, they found her like just about to do it. Wow. What a story. Yeah. Thank God. Oh I my know. Goodness. I'm like, how is that for timing? Jeez. Could you imagine if you had blown that off or said, nah, not in our county or not, not, right. n- not in our jurisdiction? Yeah. Wow. So, I mean. Wow. Good work. Doug. Just, Doug. just passing that on. and Well, not even that. All, all I did was make a couple phone calls. I mean, honestly, if anybody else good on the kid in California who saw those messages and was like, you know what? Mm-hmm. I don't know anybody over there. I don't know anything over there, but I gotta, I gotta call somebody. Yeah. So really, really props to wow. that kid. California to the university of Michigan, to your agency, yep. to this other agency, probably three, three and a half hours away from you. Oh yeah. Yep. Wow. And got her just in time. Yeah. That is a story. All right, that ladies was, and gentlemen, that's the con- that's our episode <laughs> for the day. Thanks for tuning in. I can't I can't top that. That was I, that was what I texted you about a few days ago, and then got sidetracked. And then Never went dark on me. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, so this is how it works, folks. Um, Doug works midnights, and I do not. So. I'll get a text from him about two, three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> wow, do I have a great story for you? Well, I don't get it till I wake up the next morning. So I see it. By at, which time I'm going to bed. Yeah, I see it at 7 a.m. as Doug's nestling in. I've used that word nestled there you go. twice now. Word of the week. Doug's getting ready to go to bed. I'm waking up. Hey, I can't wait to hear about it. And then he goes dark on me for three days and I never hear the story. <laughs> so I heard that story at the same time that our faithful audience heard it. Wow, what a story. Yeah. Pretty, pretty good one. That was uh, great. Well, good work to everyone involved, man. Great outcome. Yeah. And I, I, I would be curious. We, we will probably never know, but I'd be curious to know if the officers or the deputies, whatever they were, if they just simply went into the house on an exigent circumstance type of deal, mm-hmm. because if they had knocked, she might have just said, oh, no, somebody's here and just went ahead and done it. So I'd, right. I'd be curious to know if they actually went in the house because for our audience, there, there are cases where there are times when a police officer can enter a residence mm-hmm. without a search warrant, without knocking, without consent, if they have reason, you know, if there's an exigency, an yeah. emergency. If, so. if not doing it or waiting for a search warrant or something like that could result in, in, a, in a death. A death or yeah. the, the destruction of evidence or, or some other yeah. um, exception to the search warrant. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't really ask him a whole lot of clarifying sure. questions because he sounded like he was still kind of in the middle, it, he had middle his, of it. He had his hands full. Yeah, mm-hmm. and just kind of giving me a call as a courtesy. Wow. So, wow. But yeah, that was timing. I Wow. Yeah, great. So. Gr- great story. Well, I have one that's, that's not nearly as good, um, but in our last episode, we had talked episode six we had talked about evidence collection Mm -hmm. and i had spent a pretty good amount of time talking about the 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 november 14th 1996 wixom ford assembly shooting and and my limited role in that um, from an evidence collection perspective and doug as you and i talked about today's episode how this just might be story time i thought well you know what, we kind of gave a, a teaser to the audience that there might be more to come about that Ford plant issue. Um, so I thought, well, I, I actually, I do have a kind of a sub story to that day, that, that November 14th day. Let's hear it. Sure. So that, that day, 
I that was actually my day off. I had been I had worked a pretty long stretch, and then the day before I was in court for a, most of the day. So I was kind of looking forward to just sitting at home and doing nothing that day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you hadn't been born yet. Um, there were no cell phones, so I, I think I was at home just watching watching TV, probably still in my pajamas, and the phone rings, and it wasn't the cell phone in 1996. It was our landline, and I pick it up, kind of irritated, hoping it's not the the police department asking me to come in for something. Yeah, right. And it was a good buddy of mine from um, my college roommate, best man in my wedding. And the first words out of his mouth is, are, why aren't you at the Ford plant? I said, what are you talking about? I am, this is my day off. Why on earth would I be at my Ford plant? He said, the Ford plant's been shot up and a couple officers have been injured and shot. I said, I'll talk to you later. And I hung up on him and I I flipped over from the Price is Right or whatever the heck I was watching over to a local news station. And sure enough, there's helicopters flying over the Wixom Ford assembly plant Mm -hmm. um, with the the running tag at the bottom. Police officers were shot, plant I'm I'm surprised they didn't call you in. It it was still pretty fresh. Okay. It had, it, it probably was a half hour, maybe 40 minutes old. Okay. All right. So... I called the station, and the first person to pick up was my sergeant. He later became my chief, but uh, it, it was the same sergeant who gave me the opportunity to tag along with the crime lab. And if you if you're not familiar with that story, go back and listen to episode six. Uh, but it was it was that same sergeant, and I said, "Sarge, what's going on? Do you need me in there?" And he says, "Get in here right now." And he hung up on me. Didn't tell me who was shot how bad they were, were they Wixom officers, were they, I I, I knew nothing. So Mm -hmm. I drove into the station that day and got got to the station, drove way too fast, you know, uh, to to get there. It's a a wonder I wasn't hurt uh, even getting there, but arrived and said, you know, what's going on, what's going on? Are are any Wixom officers injured or hurt or killed? I can't remember exactly what he told me, but he, he told me that no, no Wixom officers had been hurt, but a couple sheriff's deputies had been shot, but they he expected them to be okay. I said, well, what's my assignment? He said, go grab a car and drive out to this rural roadway um, to the west of the plant. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with Southeast Michigan or, or the city of Wixom in particular, the Wixom Ford assembly plant sat on a huge plot of land Massive. Massive. Well, as, as we said in episode six, it's the largest, uh, it, at the time, it was the largest assembly plant in the world under one roof. Mm-hmm. It sat with, it sat to the north of Interstate 96, and to the west of the plant was a wooded area, wooded and swampy, that went all the way to the city, to the city limits. Well, I was told by my sergeant, grab a, grab a police car and head down to the western end of our city and just sit on this rural roadway and watch the cornfields. Watch the cornfield, watch the swamp, because at the time they didn't know where this guy was, where the shooter was, and he said, you know, just, just keep your eyes out on the, on, the, on the field. Basically, we were setting up a perimeter. Uh, often for our audience, when police are looking for a suspect or 
perhaps they're looking for a missing person, one of the first things they'll do is they'll set up a perimeter and they'll they'll surround an area um, <clears throat> to determine the, to to try to prevent either a suspect from getting through your perimeter or to maybe seal off maybe maybe it's a missing kid or a missing patient with dementia. So basically I was on the western perimeter. So I'm out there and I'm I'm on this I'm on this perimeter and I'm just kind of watching the field and nothing's really happening. I'm listening to the radio traffic and it, it still didn't know where the guy was, the shooter. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, over the radio, uh, the the radio keys up and the dispatcher says, "Attention, Novi, Wixom, and Oakland County units. We're getting a call, a nine one one call, coming into this business on Grand River. So we're talking about an area to the southwest of the Ford Assembly Plant. We're getting a call to this tool and die shop." A man has just run into the building. He's covered in mud. And he's saying, the police are shooting at me. And that's all the information we have. Uh-oh. And I am right around the corner. I'm like I'm like probably 45 seconds from this tool and die shop. Mm-hmm. Now, again, I am not trying to make myself out to be anything more. I, I, my, my role on the day of the, of the uh, Ford plant shooting was incredibly limited. I was not one of the first officers to go into the scene. Those guys were heroes. In fact, they, they met President Clinton. They were the, the national police officers of, of the year. But, but I did have kind of an interesting role in, in this regard. So, mm-hmm. so this call comes out. Man covered in mud from the swamp rushes into this tool and die shop and he's he's covered in mud right up to his chest and says the police are shooting at me so we descend on this tool and die shop like the plague (laughs) thinking (laughs) thinking it's it's the ford plant shooter i love that expression by the way descended like the plague. descended like the plague yeah i do that doesn't get used enough no it doesn't nor does nestle (laughs) sure yeah sure whatever (laughs) <clears throat> so we get there. Novi police officers. Uh, I think I was the only Wixom officer there. We were we were actually in uh, Lyon Township, uh, the local township. Oakland County Sheriff's deputies get there. Uh, plainclothes detectives get there. They were coming from court. I mean, pr- we probably had ten cops that that surrounded this building. Mm-hmm. Well, I paled. I I partnered up with a plainclothes detective from the Oakland County Sheriff's Office. Mm-hmm. And our role was to to be on the, uh, gosh, what would it be? The, it doesn't matter. The southeast corner of this tool and die shop. And so I grabbed the shotgun. I mean, back then we didn't have patrol rifles. Mm-hmm. So I grabbed the shotgun. And the, the plainclothes detective from the Sheriff's Office, he's got his pistol. And we are coming up the east side of this tool and die shop. And, and, and I'm looking up ahead and, and up ahead and to the left, I see this pedestrian door. So I, I probably whispered to the detective. Is that right? like off of an alley or something? No, just, just off the parking lot. Okay. All yep. right. So we're, we're walking up the, we're, we're hugging the wall pretty closely and we're, we're going up the, the, the east side of this tool and die shop. And one of us probably whispered to the other, hey, look, there's a door right there. Just as we approach the door, the door bursts wide open and a guy steps out right in front of us. Oh my gosh. 
Doug, he had to be six inches from the barrel of my 12-gauge shotgun. Oh, my gosh. <clears throat> this poor guy, he, after he changed his shorts and after we had an opportunity to talk to him, yeah. we found out that this poor man came out for a cigarette break, work in the tool and die shop. Uh-huh. And we're me and the uh, detective from the sheriff's office, we're talking to him. What's going on in there? What's going on in there? Is there, is there chaos? Yeah. Who, who's the guy covered in mud? What's going on? What's going on? And he's like, man, I work in the warehouse or I, I, I don't know anything. And, 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 you know, we, we still have him at gunpoint until we're able to, to pat him down. But, but pretty quickly we realized it wasn't our mud covered guy, but we're, right, we're right. still being cautious. Sure. And we, we pat him down and we're, we're talking to him. We didn't, I don't think we handcuffed him or anything. We're, we're just talking to him. Well, all of a sudden we, somebody gets on over the radio who a couple of the officers who had went around to the west side of the building mm-hmm. and they had gone in through the like the customer service entrance of this tool and die shop and we hear over the radio uh all units responding to the abc tool shop be advised this is not the wixom uh ford assembly shooter uh, this was just a man who was working at the plant and when the shooting started he ran doug he had to run two miles through a swamp to get to this tool and die shop. Which just, some, just some poor guy who didn't know what was going on. Some poor guy putting bumpers on Lincolns, <laughs> running from the plant, from, from the shooting, yeah. to, to try to get to safety. And then the other poor guy who's six inches from the barrel of my 12-gauge <laughs> shotgun, that poor guy. So, you know, I'm apologizing to him, sir. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really sorry that... You Is know, he pretty he, cool about it? He, he get he, it? He, was, he okay. was pretty cool. I said, you know, we're investigating this this assembly plant shooting right up the road here at Ford, at Ford Wixom. And, and at, as I recall, I mean, this was a long time ago. As yeah. I recall, he was cool about it and... But yeah, that was that was pretty much the big event of my day on November fourteenth, nineteen ninety six. And you know, uh, if you listen to episode six, you'll hear some of the evidence collection aspects of that day. But that that's just one little sub story. That poor guy to that very cold <laughs> day on November fourteenth, nineteen ninety six. Coming so. out for a smoke, and he finds the the barrel of your twelve gauge oh, instead. My, oh my goodness! Yeah, that I. <laughs> I, I still want. I, I still think about that guy. I have no idea who he is, but I still think about him. Wonder if he thinks about that day. I'm sure he does. Oh yeah, so. he's probably told everybody he knows about. I almost got shot by Wix and BD. Right. Yeah. yeah. On the day of the Ford plant <laughs> shooting, you know. Yeah. Right. So. Oh man. Yeah. So I mean. Uh, perhaps not as cool as your story about uh, saving the. Oh, yours is funnier. I'll tell the, you that. The young lady, the young lady's <laughs> life, but yeah. Oh man! So what do you That's got? That's hilarious. You you got one? I mean, I I got another one here, but um, if you got one, I think oh. it's your turn. God, what kind of story? I, hey, a police story. You know, one thing we hear from our audience here on the Cop House podcast is, I, I I hear two I hear two types of comments, and I'm talking about from our non police friends, our mm-hmm. non police audience. Yeah. The the two things I hear are. I like how you guys explain stuff so we can understand it. Mm-hmm. So so for the non-police officer, I've heard, I like how you explain stuff. On the other side of that coin, Doug, we've also heard 
quit explaining stuff. We want to hear more stories. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I think, I think we've been kind of, you know, as we've talked about the feedback that we've gotten, I think we've, we've done a pretty good job of deciding how much of each type of thing is, you know, maybe too much. Right. You know, if we start catching ourselves slipping into some police jargon that some people don't understand, you right. know, explaining stuff is helpful mm -hmm. for stories. And then, you know, it's also interesting too, is some of the technical stuff of stuff that people might not know how things work. Sure. Talking about that, but also balancing it out with a good bit of storytelling as well. Sure. So I, I have another one. Uh, if you, if you want me to go and while I'm telling this, if you want to try to think of one from your Detroit days or maybe from where you currently work. Uh, well, just cause, just cause we were talking about, um, stuff that's funny. Yeah. I could talk about how at my old precinct in Detroit, I was kind of notorious for falling off of fences. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. It's not, it's not a super in-depth story or anything like that. It's just, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, if I had a, if I had a nickel for every time I did it, I'd have three nickels, right. which isn't a lot, right. but it's weird that it happened three times. Yes. <laughs> you know, one, one thing before you tell that story, one thing I miss about policing is how much I laughed when I was a police officer. Oh, it's hilarious. I, I'm, I'm now a police chaplain. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm a chaplain for our, for my local police department and fire department. And so what that means is I, and someday we might do an episode on police chaplaincy, but mm -hmm. essentially I provide emotional and spiritual support, not only for the, for the public, but for the officers, you know, mm -hmm. because police officers, firefighters, they see traumatic things. So I'm, I'm available to provide counsel, to be a listening ear, a confidential listening ear. I provide emotional and spiritual support, not only for members of the public who might be dealing with a traumatic death or, or injury, but also for, for the guys and girls. Uh, and one thing I love about going in on Chaplain Day is sitting in the squad room and listening to the cops talk. Police officers are some of the funniest people on the planet. Oh yeah. I So, I'm Doug. I'm all ears to hear about um, you falling off a fence three times. Oh, multiple row. times. Multiple times. Yes. <laughs> there was a. Uh, there was one time working back in number eight. I was working with uh, my buddy Tim, who actually performed uh, performed my wedding. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I kept calling him Father Tim. Yeah, Father Tim, Reverend Tim. <laughs> so we were we were working a car together, and we we actually found a stolen vehicle parked on just the side street just on the first block south of uh, a main road i think it was off finkel actually and um we're sitting there waiting for the tow truck to recover this stolen car and somebody like there's an apartment building that's right on the corner and somebody yelled to us like hey somebody's fighting over there in the middle of the road so we get out of the car and like walk around the corner we look and there's a guy and a girl that are i mean they're having it out in the middle of the road they're fighting so we get back we get back to the car and we, we whip around the corner. And as we turn the corner, everybody starts walking away. The girl starts walking one way. The guy starts walking up the side street. So we're like, okay, we're going to grab this guy up first. So Tim, Tim's driving. I was the jump man. So I, I was in the passenger seat. He pulls up. So the guy's like right outside the passenger door. And I, I put the window down. I'm like, Hey man, Hey, Hey, stop. Hey. And he starts taking off running. So right. I start chasing him. Right. Cause we, we've seen him. We saw him hitting this girl. So we, we start chasing him or I start chasing him. I, I bail out of the car and start running after him. <laughs> so I chase him up somebody's side yard and there was a fence like right at the back of the property line. Mm -hmm. It was a chain link fence, but it was like one of the eight foot tall ones where 
if you're standing there, an average height person could reach up and grab the top. Like you have to reach up, but you can grab the top of it. Mm -hmm. So I'm chasing this guy. This dude is probably five inches taller than me and probably 80 pounds lighter, plus not wearing a duty belt vest, anything like that. Yeah. He hits this fence like a gazelle <laughs> and he is just, he bounds over this fence like it's nothing. I'm like, well, here we go. Yep. I get up to the top of the fence and I just topple off of it onto the other side, <laughs> just landed right on my side. And on the other side of the fence was like, it was like a brush pile. Like somebody had been cutting brush and branches and stuff. And it was like a, it was like a knee deep brush pile. I land on my side in this brush pile. And like, I can't get to my feet because the brush is just like, just like soft and like cushiony enough that I, that I can't, I'm like swimming in it, trying to get my feet back under me. And as I like pick my head up out of this brush pile, I see Tim fly down the street that I'm now facing with lights, with the lights on the police car. Cause you know, generally when you have a two man unit in Detroit, a lot of times if you end up chasing somebody, you know, the, the jump man will be chasing mm-hmm. and then the other, whoever's driving will be trying to get in front of them with the police car. Thank you for clarifying that because I was going to ask you to explain to our audience, uh, you know, the, the roles of the jump man, the driver. Yeah. But, so, so, so if I'm in a foot pursuit and I'm chasing the guy westbound, Tim's going to take that car and try to get in front of him. So <laughs> I'm swimming in this brush pile as just as soon as I get my head popped up, I see Tim fly doing a hundred miles an hour down this residential street with the lights on like past me and he gets this the guy i'm chasing is long gone at this point by the way he's three right. blo- he's three blocks away yeah while well, you're swimming in the brush pile. <laughs> yeah he's gone mm-hmm. so <laughs> so tim gets on the radio and he goes he goes doug where are you at or he might have been more he might have been more formal that eight four mobile to eight four prep where are you at right and i'm i'm irritated at this point i key the radio i'm not using any radio codes i'm like tim i'm in the backyard I'm behind you. Come come get me. <laughs> Bring a rope. I'm drowning in this brush come, pile. Come get me. So, so he comes back, picks me up. Dude is, I mean, long gone right. at this point. So we go back and we're like, well, we probably have a domestic. We got to find this victim now and talk to her. Sure. She's gone. She's, She's gone. gone too. She's gone too. <laughs> like, okay. yeah. yeah. Well, and then we're talking after like, probably good we didn't catch this guy because he would have fought with us mm-hmm. and then we would have had use of force paperwork. Right. For nothing. We don't have a complainant. We don't have. Yep. <laughs> yeah. The victim wanted probably probably wanted no part of talking to you. No, uh, no. Perhaps. I, I mean, I, the fact that she took off the other direction when we started chasing the boyfriend. It yeah. Speaks volumes. So when you've got two people like that and yeah. they, they split, a police officer has a pretty quick decision to make. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, in this case, you had two two officers. But where I worked one man car one, yeah one person car you, you got a decision to make okay which which one am i gonna pursue or talk to yeah this was pretty easy because you saw an assault and battery take place right yeah i mean we couldn't really tell who we, we just saw some type of physical altercation when we first saw him we were kind of a kind of a little distance away maybe i don't know 30 40 yards away a little harder to tell but he was the one when we first pulled up she stood still and he started walking off was why we were going to grab him because we figured she was going to stay there. Okay. And then we come back after losing him and she's gone too. We're like, okay, well, right. no harm, no foul on our part, I guess. Right. <laughs> I just am now just picking branches and stuff out of my <laughs> out of my vest and belt. And I'm all filthy now. Oh, that's oh, funny. Man. That, that happened multiple times. I've fallen over several fences. There was another right. one where we had a, uh, I think it was an armed robbery suspect or something like that. I don't remember. He, I, 
I think you tried to rob somebody in like a apartment complex lobby, like an apartment building lobby or something like that. Mm-hmm. So my one buddy is in a different car with his partner. They're they're getting the information. They got a pretty good description. So they're talking to the complainant. They see the guy. So they start chasing him. They lose him. Well, he pops out on the other end of the block. Another unit sees him, starts chasing him. He, he disappears again. Mm-hmm. So we know we have like a good perimeter. Like you were talking about perimeters earlier. If you're trying to find somebody, you try to lock down the area where they were last seen so you can start doing some more type of organized search or right. prevent them from leaving that area. So we have him locked down to a city block, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's in the backyard somewhere of this residential block. Got it locked down. People keep catching sight of him and then losing him. We, we know we know this one area he's in. Mm-hmm. So me, I don't even remember who I was working with. That doesn't really matter. We're, we're on one... We're on one end of the block, and I hear somebody call on the radio that they've got him. I think they had him like at gunpoint or something mm-hmm. in a backyard that was on the next block. So if I hop a fence from a backyard on this block, I'd be in the backyard where they were. On the other block, yes. Yeah, so I hear yep. him. So I hear them yelling at him. Like, I hear them say they seen him on the radio or something, but then I can actually hear that they're yelling at him. I'm like, well, I'm going to go. Get down, get down, get your hands up. Yeah, so, so I'm like, yeah. I'm going to go get in on this in case he starts fighting or something like that. So I'm like, well, there's a <laughs> another eight-foot fence. <laughs> What's with the eight-foot fences I, I in Detroit? I don't know. <laughs> but it's like, a, it's like a wooden panel privacy fence. Okay, got it. All right. So <laughs> so they're in this backyard. I, I go up to hop the fence to where they are, and eight foot wood panel privacy fence i climb up on a trash can to get over it and um there's like a row of bushes like planted right against this fence on the other side oh yes so i get up i get up on the fence and again just topple off of it i don't know if my pants got stuck or what but i fell i I fell right on my back Mm. (laughs) right next to this fence now i'm trapped between the fence and this row of bushes Oh, brother and as i'm doing this they, they have him on the ground and in cuffs. They had him on the ground in cuffs right before I fell off the fence. Okay. So I actually, we used to use body cameras as just our highlight reels for funny moments. Sure. We'd pull stuff up when something <laughs> funny happened. My one buddy who put the cuffs on him, we watched his footage. Yes. And what you can see is he sees the guy in the backyard. Mm-hmm. They order him to the ground. Yes. They He complies, gets to the ground. They cuff him up. And as soon as my buddy stands up, you can see in the background, like, 15 feet past the guy who's on the ground cuffed you just see me fly over this fence and land on the ground <laughs> i just come you just see out of nowhere because it's kind of dark and you just you just see me just topple yeah. just hit the ground as soon as he goes he stands up from cuffing him one in custody boom, i hit the ground <laughs> it never ceases to amaze me how well bad guys or suspects can go over a fence they don't have to wear a stupid 20 pound belt that's right (laughs) many times they're younger than the police officer not always but many times yeah um they're wearing tennis shoes or some kind of some kind of footwear that's conducive to running they're not wearing a duty belt and but doug i was chasing a guy once through the side yard of a middle school Mm -hmm. and again it was about maybe not an eight foot yeah, it was probably about an eight-foot chain-link fence that separated this condo complex from the middle school. Uh-huh. This guy goes running up, and I watched him do this, and there was a, a stump right next to the chain-link fence where, where somebody had cut down a big tree. Mm-hmm. This guy, you would instead of being a stump, you would have thought it was a trampoline because this guy went running, 
he put one foot on the stump and this stump like somehow magically propelled him over this eight foot fence. <laughs> Just catapulted him. Catapulted him. And I'm like, <laughs> so, so, I, like <laughs> so I try it. You know, I'm, I'm probably in my 40s, you know, too old to be working midnights. I try it wearing combat boots and a, 20 pounds of gear on my waist, wearing a polyester uniform, <laughs> dead tired in the middle of the night. I try it and I get about <clears throat> four inches off the ground, you know, and I'm like, well, good luck, my man. <laughs> <laughs> More power to you. <laughs> More power to you. You win today. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing how these guys can go over fences. I read a, I read a, read or heard a stat or something some at one point. I don't know where this comes from. I don't know how true it is, but... I heard that in police foot chases, statistically, if you don't catch them in the first like 50 yards, mm. they're gone. Yeah. I, that wouldn't surprise me. I have not seen that research, but it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, more, I mean, more often than not in foot chases, at least in my experience, you lose them, mm -hmm. set a perimeter, yeah. and then find them some other way, be that with a dog or a drone or yeah. helicopter or something like that. I mean, in a direct foot pursuit, you know, if you don't get them real quick. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because as soon as you lose sight of them, now you don't know where to go. So if you lose sight of them, it's game, game over, even if you're not that far behind them. Right. So um, I got another funny story foot, about a foot chase. Foot chases are so dangerous. God, they're I, so fun, though. They, they are. They can they, be. They, yeah, they are. But go, they, can, they can be. Go, go ahead. <laughs> we, go ahead. Had, we had, it was, uh, it was like a strong arm robbery or something like that at a gas station. Explain to the audience what a strong arm robbery is versus an armed robbery. Okay, so this was this was in Detroit still. Yep. This was at a, a gas station on, I think it was also on Finkel. Okay. Um, so like a strong arm robbery would be, so a robbery is taking something by threat of force or coercion mm -hmm. or by you know direct force or coercion. Right. Um, armed robbery is force or coercion is using a weapon right strong arm robbery would be forcefully taking something from somebody that would be your force or coercion right uh, sometimes we, on tv you hear the word mugging oh, I yeah got, i got mugged somebody used force yeah. to take my purse from me well Unar that, unarmed, that, that's a strong arm robbery yeah strong arm robbery unarmed robbery right that's basically the same thing got it as okay as, as far as i know it's the same thing yep so we had we had a if i remember right it was a strong arm robbery that had happened earlier in the day but the guy came back to this gas station and was in an argument with some guys there for something. But he had pulled off like a strong arm robbery or something of the, I want to say it was at the cashier or something. I, I don't know. Anyways, we get there. Pretty good description. They're, they're all in some type of verbal fight when we pull up. I see which guy it is. I know which guy it is because they gave a good description. And I go to grab him to detain him. And he pulls his wrist right away from me and takes off across the street. Mm -hmm. So I start chasing him. My buddy, <laughs> I start chasing him up this residential street that's across from the gas station. He makes a left to start hitting backyards to cross blocks going west. My buddy had started running with me and then halfway across the road, he goes, oh wait, I have the car keys. I should probably go get the car. <laughs> so, so he stops chasing him, turns around to go back to get the car. Well, at this point, I was very familiar with my precinct, so I'm, I'm actually calling out the streets pretty well. Like, I know not only what street I'm on, but what street he's going towards. So I'm giving call outs ahead. I'm like, instead of we're on this street, I'm saying he's going towards this street mm -hmm. so somebody else can try to get ahead of him. Well, he hits a fence going west through, through backyards, and 
I, my one buddy who was in a different unit, not the buddy I was working with. Um, he, I hear him, he's coming lights and sirens. He comes south on the street that this guy that I'm chasing is now going across because he kind of lost me on a fence. He got up over a fence faster than I did. I actually didn't fall off this one. Yeah. But he was faster than me going over it. So I can see him between the houses running across the next street as I'm still getting over this fence. Mm -hmm. Well, here comes my buddy, lights and sirens, Mm -hmm. doing probably 70 miles an hour down this residential street, Mm -hmm. almost hits the guy that I'm chasing. Oh, boy. Slams on the brakes. (laughs) Hits his, he actually has lights on, but not his sirens. He hits the siren as he's coming up to him, scares the guy so bad, the guy just collapses like a house <laughs> of cards. And I saw this happen from the fence. So he's running. Here he comes, hits the siren as he's barreling towards him. <laughs> I've never seen somebody react like that. Rather than continuing to run or trying to get right. out of the way, his legs just give out and he just crumples in the middle of the road because he's scared so bad. Wow. Thought wow. he was going to get smoked by the car. Wow. <laughs> Doug, you, you had said something in telling that story about how you knew your precinct really well. And, mm-hmm. and as you're chasing, you're, you're calling out street names over over the radio, I assume, yeah. to let the other units. Yep. I, I remember one time I came and did a ride along with you in when you were a Detroit officer. And it was the one night you were uh, an Adam unit. You were all by yourself. Typically, yep. Yep. Detroit works two-person cars. This one particular night, you were an Adam unit working all by yourself. So... When I rode with you, I actually got to ride up front. Unlike yeah. the other time I rode with you, I had to ride in the back, yeah. which for somebody with claustrophobia is not cool. But, no, no. But one thing I remember, I was so impressed with you that night that no matter where we were at, you would say, um, I, I can't remember how you'd do it, but you'd say, you'd make a left and you'd go north on Main Street. And oh, then yeah. you'd, co- you'd come up to the next block and you'd go east on Fenkel or, or whatever. And, yeah. and you did that, uh, I'm assuming, so that if something went down, it would be fresh in your mind exactly where you were at. Yeah, I, I still do that, actually, even, really? even working by myself. That's yeah, cool. That's, it, I, I found that, and I mean, this could be a piece of advice for anybody that's a newer cop or whatever, right? Mm. You know, my cousin, who's newly a police officer, and he was, we were talking, and he was talking about how he really wants to get good with the geography of the area he works. And I told him this as a tip. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, what I always, what I've always done or I've done for a long time anyways, is just that anytime I make a turn, mm-hmm. I'll say like, even if it's just me in the car, I'll just say it out loud to myself. Just like, Oh, West on West on Pickford, mm-hmm. make it right. North on Bentler or whatever. Right. Um, it's just, it helps. Like you said, it keeps it fresh in my mind where I'm yeah. at. And then the other thing too is if it's an area that you're not yet super familiar with, doing that will help you get familiar with it. Right. So that was, I mean, that was a big thing in how I learned. Yeah. My precinct as well as yeah, as no. well as I did. It was impressive. Yeah. I, I mean, I still do it now at the sheriff's office where I work. It's a little harder because the roads aren't as much of a perfect grid as they were right in uh, number yeah. eight where I worked for most of the time in Detroit. But not a lot of perfect city blocks probably where you no. work where you work now. No. Yeah. No. But I mean, even just. Just a general direction. Mm-hmm. It just uh, it was just direction and road name, right? So, you telling that story about your partner coming, lights and siren, or 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 lights, you, you could hear him coming uh, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Reminded me of a <laughs> kind of a funny story. All right, what you got? I was a pretty young officer, and I was working midnights, and we went to this. We my partner and I we got sent to this um, pretty rough bar on a bar fight, and I was right. <laughs> I know what story you can yeah. tell. 
It's, I've heard this. It's, it's great. pretty good. I'm and, sorry. And, Go and, ahead. And I love this guy I'm working with. I am not making fun of him. Well, I'm kind of making fun of him. Nah, he, you can make fun he, of he's him. a good dude. Um, <laughs> it's he and I working, and we get called to a bar fight at this this rough bar. I'm right around the corner. He's in the south end of the city. Now, Wixom isn't the biggest city in the world, but even running lights and siren, going from one end to the other can still take four minutes, maybe three, four minutes. Mm-hmm. So I get there first. <clears throat> I, I'm right around the corner. So I call out that I'm, I let the, I let dispatch know, radio, I'm out. So I get there and a bunch of people are in the parking lot and they're pointing, yeah, over there, over there. So I, I go in through this side door of the bar and I look down this long, dark hallway and I see these two shirtless dudes rolling around in, <laughs> in, this, in this hallway of this bar. <laughs> and I'm looking at them and I'm like, hmm, interesting. And I, I could tell one of them was kind of the aggressor. Yeah. I, 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 it was a long time ago, Doug. I can't even remember now what led me to believe that one of them was the aggressor. But I pull out my pepper spray because we this was pre-taser. Mm-hmm. I pull out my pepper spray and I go up to the two guys rolling around and I, and I probably gave some verbal commands. Hey, knock it off. Hey, knock it off. Police officer, stop stop or I'm going to pepper spray you and they they didn't stop they they kept rolling around and fighting so I shake up my can of pepper spray and I go <laughs> just hose both of just them just <laughs> hosed them both down now we're inside the bar mind you mm-hmm. and so I pretty much hose down the whole bar if you've ever been ex- exposed to the the cayenne pepper spray mm-hmm. it it can clear a room yeah so I I hose down the, the, the two fine gentlemen who were rolling around shirtless in the bar. And I, I was able to determine, okay, that one's going to jail. Again, don't remember how I did that, but sure, I, I grabbed sure. the guy. I'm also coughing and spitting and I probably got <laughs> snot coming down my nose because I'm also exposed to the pepper spray. Mm-hmm. I get him in handcuffs. He didn't really fight me or anything. I, I put him in the back of my car and I, I, I get on the radio because I can hear my partner coming. Now, if any police officers, particularly older police officers, are listening to the podcast and you've ever had the the luxury of working with a Ford Crown Victoria police interceptor police car, mm-hmm. you know that they make a very distinct sound when they're going through the gears very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can hear the Ford Crown Victoria coming, and he's still probably a mile and a half away. Mm-hmm. I can hear the siren and I can hear the very distinct sound of the Ford Crown Vic police interceptor making its way through the gears. Yeah, they almost have that like little whistle. Yeah, they're they yeah, they're whiny kind of. Yeah. They're awesome though. <clears throat> I get on the radio and I go, Charlie, I'm all set. One in custody. <laughs> Charlie, I'm all set. One in custody. <laughs> <laughs> and he's still coming. <laughs> and I'm sorry if I just blew your eardrums out. <laughs> Charlie, I'm all set. Slow down. Charlie arrives in the parking lot. I can smell his brakes. <laughs> if you've ever worked with policing and you know that when you're heavy on the brakes, going through intersections oh, or they whatever, start smoking. They, you can smell the brakes coming before the car actually arrives. Yeah. I can smell Charlie's brake pads coming. <laughs> he jumps out of the car and I said, man, I'm all set. 
one in custody. He's in the back of my car. Now, one thing about my old partner, Charlie, he loved to get into stuff. He loved it. Dare I say he loved it when people fought with us. And he was so crushed that he missed it, that he missed the bar fight. I said, he goes, where is this guy? I said, he's fine. He's in the back of my car. He's handcuffed. Charlie goes over and he opens up the back door of my car and he looks at the guy and the guy looks at him and the guy probably had fear in his eyes because he looks at him and he thought, oh man, this guy's going to kill me. This officer's going to kill me. Well, he, he didn't. You know, he, we do the right thing. Charlie just looks at him and all he could muster up was, you're the hero, huh? <laughs> and I will remember that to my dying day. That, that never gets old, that story. You're, you're the hero, huh? <laughs> and he slams the back of the door. And I said, I looked at him and I go, you're the hero? That was the best you could come up with? <laughs> and I... I I, f- I wanted to call the fire department just to ho- <laughs> just to hose my partner down because he was so <laughs> just hyped up. He just wanted to up. get into it with this guy so bad, and, <laughs> and there was nothing to do by the time he got there. So um, good guy. I, yeah, I'll tell you what. If I was going into a big bar fight, he'd be the first one I'd want with me. Sounds so, like he'd be the first one to want to go with you. <laughs> uh, yeah, indeed, indeed. So your story about your partner coming lights and siren r- reminded me of an old story of my partner coming lights and siren. Oh, that's so funny. That's hilarious. <laughs> How are we doing on time there? Uh, we're at about 50 minutes. Okay. I mean, we can I, we can start to wrap up or we, I mean, we got time for a few more. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Didn't you have Didn't you have another one jotted I, down? I I do. It, it's not It's not real funny, but it's kind of an interesting one. And it it if you if you go and listen to to our episode on the I ninety six shooter, you'll hear some of the background of, of how that went down. And and briefly, I'll briefly I'll give you the thumbnail sketch if you didn't hear that episode. But in October of twenty twelve, uh, a man was driving around southeast Michigan in four different counties and he shot at 23 separate moving automobiles from from his car mm-hmm. and a big task force was formed and ultimately after three weeks we we found him we got him in custody um, he was charged with terrorism and he, he's doing time to this day for for the, that act of terrorism go back and listen to that episode for more information on that. But there's, there's much like my Ford plant story. There's kind of a sub story to that, that, that I, I thought, you know, for this episode, you know, what might be interesting to, to hear about that? Well, as the task force was pretty much fully ramped up and, and we were, we were rocking out the tips, the tips were coming in. We were sending detectives out two by two with tips we had the state police, the Michigan State Police mobile home at the back of our police station running as a dispatch center. And we were sending detectives out working tips trying to find the I-96 shooter. Well, we had a couple detectives on the task force. They were assigned to be our, our, our video detectives. Uh, one of them was a guy I've worked with for years, a Wixom officer, Jeff. Um, uh, Detective Jeff was one of the guys who was assigned to run around town in all four counties and just hit these businesses trying to get video. Back then, there wasn't a whole lot of emailing video that was taking place. They were actually getting 
um, CD-ROMs or, or DVDs of, of the video. So so Jeff would he would spend his whole day just running around the the the, the four county area trying to get videos from gas stations and, and restaurants and, and wherever. Well, Jeff comes back to the station and he's got some video out in Ingham County, which is out in the Lansing area, mm-hmm. about less than a quarter of a mile away from where one of our shootings took place at a McDonald's. Okay. And what's on this video, what you see on this video is you see a blue uh, sh- uh, Chevy Cavalier pull into the McDonald's parking lot. This is on video. The person pulls into a parking space kind of crooked, pulls in very quickly, very rapidly, pulls into this parking space crooked, offset, like occupying two spaces, Mm -hmm. stays there for about a minute, backs up quickly and abruptly, and speeds off. Less than a quarter mile from where one of our shootings took place out in Ingham County. And at that point, that's, you know, that vehicle description is similar to kind of what you had going, right? We were looking for a dark colored sedan. Okay. All right. So here we have a dark blue on the video. We have a dark blue Chevy Cavalier sedan. Mm -hmm. Less than a quarter mile from one of our shootings at roughly the same time as one of our shootings. I, I didn't mention that. Okay we're watching this video and we're like, oh my goodness, that has to be the I-96 shooter. It's right down the street within walking distance of where one of our shootings took place at the same date and time, pulls in, abruptly backs up, and then takes off at a high rate of speed. Mm-hmm. We're in, we're automatically thinking, well, what would you be thinking, Doug, as a, as a experienced cop? What would you be thinking there? That's somebody that you want to find. I mean, you want to ID that vehicle, figure out who the driver was. Sure. Um, but what about what about pulling in abruptly, pausing, and then taking off abruptly? Does that does that ring any bell? Does that set off any red flags for you? Uh, maybe I, I'm not sure what you're getting at. I, I have a couple thoughts, but I'm going to feel dumb when you tell me what it's going to be. Well, no, <laughs> nothing nothing profound. We're we're just thinking. He he just shot at this woman at this mm-hmm. intersection. Pulled in, paused, got his bearings kind of looking around for any responding police officers, didn't see any, and then took off at a high rate of speed. That that was really what the task force people, we, were thinking at the time. Okay. So is is that kind of where where you were going? A little bit, yeah. Sure. So now we have this this Chevy Camaro, or not Camaro, uh, Cavalier. Mm -hmm. We got to find this. We got to find this Cavalier. So we we get the... um, we get some automotive people who really know cars, makes, models, and, and years. We we get some people to look at it, and they're like, oh, yeah, it's definitely this model year. You can tell it's this model year because it's got this on the trim package, and, you know, we know it's this and that. And so we, we narrow it down, and this was this was 11 years ago, so the, so the year escapes me, but I do know it was a dark blue Chevy Cavalier. Mm -hmm. So we reach out to the Michigan Secretary of State. If you're listening to us from another state, um, that's our equivalent of the Department of Motor Vehicles. We reach out to the Michigan Secretary of State, and we want a four-county license plate dump on this year of Chevy Cavalier in in the four counties, Ingham, Shiawassee, Livingston, and Oakland. Okay. We get it, and it's... It's about 600 vehicles. 
well, we're looking for we're looking for a terrorist. So we start sending the detectives out two by two, looking for the registered owner of this particular year Chevy Cavalier that pulled into the McDonald's. And you know that it it took about three or four days, but ultimately we found that person. Really, wasn't the I ninety six shooter? Can I take a guess? <laughs> Go ahead. Wait, have you heard the story? No, you, I, I actually have not heard really? this. I can't believe I never told you this. Yeah. No, my okay. guess is it's not him, right? So It's, it's not the yeah. I-96 shooter. My guess it's a guy who pulled up to McDonald's, realized he forgot his wallet, and then very angrily drove off to go get it. I did tell you the story. No. Because, no? No. Okay. That's my guess based it, on what he did. If it's not him, then it, that's it, the only reason I would angrily pull out of a McDonald's. <laughs> it was a woman who pulled into, into Mickey D's wanting her latte or whatever she or her morning drink yeah didn't have her purse with her <clears throat> angry as a as a hornet that she can't get her coffee backs up slams it into gear and mm, off she goes I that, that took us about it derailed us for about four days because mm-hmm. we were instead of looking for the i-96 shooter we're looking for the the angry woman who couldn't get her coffee. But I I remember saying to the task force members, because you recall I was the, the leader of the task force um, by by default, and my, my boss made me made me be the leader. But I remember saying to the task force members, not only at the Wixom command post, but out at the the um the the Ingham County sub sub post out at MSU Police Department. I remember telling them, you know what, ladies and gentlemen, great job. We did not find the I ninety six shooter, but you men and women found a needle in a haystack, and that yeah. is that is to be commended. No kidding. Even though it wasn't the right person, good policing. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. Mean, we found him, and we ruled that person out as being the shooter. It it. Took us off task for about four days. We lost about four days in the process, but but good work, ladies and gentlemen. So yeah, I, yeah, just okay. kind of a sub story to the '96 shooter saga. I didn't mean to steal your punchline there. I I no, really no. did just guess it. I, Do you want to re-record that? I'll pretend like I didn't guess it. No, <laughs> no. I want you to appear brilliant before our audience because you are. <laughs> oh, stop. I I'm just surprised. I've never told you no, that. No, you, you didn't tell me that. I I really did just guess that. Okay. All right. Well, that that yeah, that was uh, good work. Good hey, work guessing hey. that. So. Oh man, Doug. You know, I was I was a policeman for 27 years. You've been a policeman for six. We could go on and on and on and on with more stories. Um, yeah, but I, I I don't for for this particular episode. Maybe we'll do another story time. Yeah, s- some other time. But I I don't really have anything else. Yeah, nothing nothing jumps to mind based on anything that we've uh, we've talked about. Okay, which I feel like that's kind of how story time ones work. Is I, I'll tell one that kind of reminds you of one. That's right. You'll say one kind of yeah. reminds me. It, I don't, I don't think this was a terrible format. I I hope our our audience enjoys it, especially the the people, you know, uh, you know, at, at your wife's place of employment who have, yeah. who have been very clear to us. More stories, more stories, more stories. More stories. Yeah. yeah. So th- this is for you, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> you know who you are. So. Um, yeah, I, I don't think this is a bad format. If we have a week where we can't quite get a guest lined up, we don't necessarily have to have a topic. We can just. Shoot the breeze a little bit. Can I tell one more? It, it's a light one and it's fast. Sure, I, absolutely. You talking about going over fences reminded me of this one. Let's hear it. Um, I, 
I got called to a, a fire one one afternoon shift uh, years ago uh, on the north end of our city. So I caller sees dark black smokes. Well, there, there's a difference between you know white smoke and, and dark black smoke. Yeah. If you see dark black smoke, that's that's probably an indication that. A, either a structure's on fire or a or, car or a car yeah. or or perhaps uh you know a grass fire or, or something those smokes smell different too they do yep. yeah so i get there and i and it and it's right at the northern border of the city of wixom it, it's the it's actually the boundary between wixom and the township just to the north of us where where wixom police officers really have no jurisdiction it's the mm-hmm. oakland county sheriff's office yeah and there's a a brick wall that that separates the two. It, it, it's a wall between a trailer park in the township and our gas station in the city. Mm-hmm. The Great and Wall of Wixom. The Great Wall of Wixom. That's right. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, and I I look over the brick wall, and it's a pretty pretty high wall. I I look over it, and I see that there's a grass fire on the township side of the wall. So. Our fire department arrives, the Wixom Fire Department, and at this point, I had already gone over the wall, and I'm over there, and I'm, I, you know, I got my my combat boots on, and I'm I'm trying to stomp it out, and it's it's pretty big, it's probably bigger. I probably shouldn't have been over there, but I'm over there. I'm trying to stomp it out with my feet, and I'm not having a lot of luck. I'm not I'm not really in any danger of being enveloped by this big fire, but our fire department arrives, and of course, they hook up their hose and. Uh, they're wearing all their gear and all that. And I said, they said, oh, man, we got to get over that wall. I said, just hand me the hose. I'll put it out. <laughs> They're like, eh, are you sure firefighters are kind of particular about who, oh, yeah. who they allow to use their hose? I said, just give me the hose. I I, I, oops, I got so excited. <laughs> goodbye, I to your, goodbye to your microphone. Knocked over my microphone. <laughs> I said, just give me the hose. I, I'll, I'll put it out for you. So they they put the hose over this wall. And you had talked earlier about looking at body-worn camera footage of some of your funny events. Yeah. Well, this probably was in about 1998 or 1999. We didn't have any body-worn camera footage. Yeah. We had We had Polaroid pictures. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, Polaroids. And if you're not familiar, familiar, the with, same the, thing. familiar with the Polaroid, you hit the button and out the front of it comes a little picture. Somewhere amongst one of my buddies, there's there's a photograph of me in Commerce Township, <laughs> fighting a fire as a Wixom police officer on the other on the Commerce Township side of the wall, yeah, uh, with with the hose slung over my shoulder, putting out this fire. <laughs> so I, I tell that story because I'm probably the only Wixom police officer ever to fight a fire in Commerce Township. So. <laughs> Kind of a weird story. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> that was a dumb story. <laughs> no, nah, it's funny. All right. Oh man. Do you want to go into I'm, our cl- I'm sure the I'm sure the firefighters didn't give you a hard time at all. Oh no. No, not at all. They, I'm surprised they gave me the hose, frankly. I yeah. I'm sure they made funny though. Oh guess you wish you were a firefighter instead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. You're doing it wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> oh well, we love our firefighters, brothers and sisters, don't we? We sure do. You know, Doug, before we go into our closing ritual here on the Cop House podcast, we had a sad situation uh, midweek last week where the state of Michigan lost a police officer. Michigan State Police Trooper Joel Pop died in the line of duty 
uh, midweek last week. Uh, he worked, Trooper Pop worked for the Tri-City Post up in mid-Michigan where he was uh, investigating an incident on an interstate and he was struck and killed by a traveling motorist uh, traveling by. And on behalf of Doug and Ron and, and the Cop House podcast, we'd like to extend our deepest condolences and our thoughts and prayers to those who loved Trooper Pop, to his wife, to his little girl, to his friends and family, and to the his fellow officers who, who loved and served with him. And we, Trooper Pop, we thank you for your service. Rest easy, brother. All right. Closing? Sure. All righty. Well, follow us on Facebook. We are the Cop House Podcast there. You follow us on Instagram and Twitter. There we are, at Cop House Podcast. And if you wouldn't mind, just leave us a review on wherever you're listening, uh, be that Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Um, the reviews do help us be recommended to people who aren't already listening. So... To our brothers and sisters out there, working uniform or investigative units or just just doing policing, life is short, men and women. Life is short. Take the time to tell these stories back and forth to each other. Take the time to laugh. This is a this can be a very fun job. Laugh often when you recount these stories that you tell. God bless you and be careful. Be safe, everybody. <laughs>